Thank you, Justin. Good morning. I trust that this week is your... We all are excited for this Thanksgiving week. I do think we have much to be thankful for. As Dave has prayed for those who are serving either locally, but specifically those who are serving internationally. I remember when my wife and I moved down to Dallas, Texas to go to seminary, uh, just the first Thanksgiving or first Christmas away from family. You could pray for them. Um, it's that in that moment you realize that there's a loss and sacrifice uh, for following Christ. And uh, not to say that, that those things aren't joyful, but uh, they, you know, they, they cost something. So I pray that you would be mindful of them in these days, even for Greg, your family as well. We love you, and we hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving. Um, and I pray that, uh, yeah, you would be encouraged, just as all of you. Yeah, I pray that we would be encouraged through the, uh, the time that we have together in giving thanks to the Lord. Prayer. I don't know how many more I should have provided for us in that the issue which we often neglect, be devoted to prayer, prayer, busy oneself with prayer, be busily engaged with prayer, pray without ceasing, devote yourself the means by which the scriptures talk within the New Testament when it comes to prayer, over the last year and a half, I've been challenged and convicted in my own life how seriously this needs more of our attention. When I first took my first position in ministry, it became obvious how much I love my hands. remember working at New Life Fellowship and being positioned and being able to to uh, guide people in small groups. And I remember working throughout a week and going home and realizing at the end of the day how unfruitful it felt. See, I grew up on a farm. Uh, and my parents would give us chores, and uh, it was hard work. My dad always said, I, if there's anything that I want to teach you, you will know how to work. Sometimes he would tell us to dig a ditch to put a new water line in. And we'd start at one point, and he'd say, dig. And we'd say, how far? And he'd say, until I tell you to stop. Um, and then we'd put this little rubber hose in it, and then he'd have us fill it up, fill it up back up. And this is this tedious job. But the one thing that I loved about that job, or even when I worked at Starbucks, like, you get an order, I mean, a white mocha with 20 Splenda, that happened once. Um, I laughed, and, they, and then I realized that they were serious, and then I insulted them. But even then, like after the cup of the drink that was made is done, there's a fruit. There's a product. Dad says, dig a ditch. In 12 hours, you can look back, and you can say, something's been done. One thing I realized when I started ministry involved in it, time set aside to read, to pray, do things that I thought were important, writing curriculum, often let me feel lacking. Um, I enjoy jobs where I can use my hands. And the truth of the matter is, is that I think we all do. I think we like to see what we can do. And one of the reasons why I think I am tempted to not pray is there's this 
inner love to see what these can do in light of what God's hands can do. There's a form of idolatry which exists within the American culture. We're not like the other nations in some regards, where objects of worship are crafted by their hands, only to be set onto the street to be worshipped. Worship is done regularly throughout different parts of the world, and there are objects of the worship we can see. But in America, we actually kind of look down upon those who would worship what they create with their own hands. But the reality is in our own culture, we worship, we just have a more specialized form of idolatry. Fact is, is the reason why we are such a, such a prosperous nation is we are reluctant to even be generous with that which has been created by our hands. We find ourselves wanting to find validation by what we can do. And I'm tempted, as I have come to realize in the last couple of years where this has been hitting me quite close, is how often I put so much attention to what I can do with my hands. You can't see how often I pray. I struggled for the first several years of ministry, and still today, I get supported to read. And that, at the end of the day, I go home, and sometimes I don't feel any smarter. And sometimes I get, no, not sometimes, I get supported to pray for you. But at the end of the day, these hands show nothing of great worth. And I think I am tempted. I am tempted. And if I am tempted, and I look at the American culture, I think we're all tempted to love these more than love of God and his hands and what he can accomplish. The reality is, is why I asked Justin to read those passages is that there was this early church Christian commitment to the love of God's hands and what he could accomplish more than the church had for their own. In our own society, we recognize that not only we have a problem with this, but we also have a problem with this and with our mouth. And there's this temptation in all of us to trust that more can be accomplished with our own hands and then with with our own voice rather than the voice of God and his own hand who changes the hearts of men and even our own. So Thanksgiving's coming up, and so many reasons to be thankful, no doubt. And I could stand up here, and I could say, you should pray more. Pray more, and I could probably hit the pulpit a couple times. That wasn't helpful for me. Um, I had two grandparents, sets of grandparents, who prayed for me deeply. One set is gone. And I'm starting to recognize more and more and even as I grow older, the deep value and wealth that God has provided even for me towards those who have offered my life in prayer. That I long with men my own generation, and I long for you who are in high school or middle school or starting off in college or young adults, that you practice this now and learn that your hands have very limited power. Your voice as great and as wonderful it is, that it can stir the hearts of some, is very limited. Paul says in Romans 12, 12, the Christian ethic and the result of Christian ethic and the result of what Christ has done for us in the Spirit, he calls us to be devoted in prayer. Why? 
And I want to just ask that this morning, and rather than hitting the pulpit and say, you need to pray more, my hope would be is this. Could I just stir our hearts again in considering why was this theme so important in Paul's life and in the early church? I think it has in part in what we've come to realize already in Romans 12. One, the early church, just when I say this, the early church, doesn't mean that none other church or any period didn't believe these things. We see it evident then, and we've seen it throughout church as well. There's one, they believed God was sovereign. They believed that God was all-knowing. I want to stir my minds, and I want to stir our minds together to realize that when they went in prayer, why we go in prayer is that God knows more than we know, or like to think we know, and a result of knowing that God knew more than we knew, they went to the one who knew all things in prayer. See, I live in a world which thinks that God is limited in his power, limited in his understanding. He's a painting. It's a painting in the sky which you can see, but does not speak. You can look at it and be one who interprets his position, but he's not interactive. We have paintings on our wall, and sometimes I think that's how we treat God. As brilliant as some paintings might be, they don't care how you think or how you interpret their image. But what we come to realize within the scripture is the God which we worship and serve is sovereign over all things and super involved in his creation. Proverbs 6, 4. The Lord has made everything for its own purpose. Even the wicked for the day of evil. Even... Christ taught about the concerns that God has even for birds. In which he says in Matthew 6, 26, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? God knows all things. He knows all things even about a bird. In fact, he knows how much a bird is sold for. Luke 12, 6. Are not five sparrows sold for a two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. I wonder if we would increase our knowledge about how much God knows and is aware of, but then not stir in our own hearts the reason why we go to him in prayer. But if he's merely just a painting in which we throw things against, hoping that some might bounce back or might change us, I guess that would might cause us not to pray. But if we have an image of God who is very intact, interactive, even with his creation, Psalms 147, verse 4, he counts the number of the stars. He gives names to all of them. As I read the scriptures, I am more and more convinced God is more involved with his creation than we have, we have come to recognize and realize. He cares about birds. He talks about ants. He talks about the universe. He talks about the very hairs on your head. Luke 12, 7. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. And there's nothing in you or I that's hidden. For some, this might be scary. Psalms 139, verses 1 through 3. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. And you know when I sit down and when I rise up. He's not a painting. 
And you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. And intimately acquainted with all my ways. When the apostles watched the life of Christ, the way that he lived, even after his ascension, it was early on when they were looking for the, the, the apostles to replace Judas who betrayed Christ. They offered up in the first prayer, they made this acknowledgement before God in prayer. You, Lord, Acts one twenty four, you know the hearts of all men. Romans 2.16. On that day, as we have seen already in Romans, as Paul's written, when according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. Why do I offer this up? How would that stir our hearts to prayer? When you go to prayer and you have no idea how to get through the situation you're faced, I, I know someone who knows. And the hands of which you look at as Christians have historically realized, the hands of which you have cannot create reconciliation. As nice as you possibly could be, and as comforting as your words might become, they are very limited in the ability to offer healing. And God, who knows more than you know, Christians pray in devotion. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you give them compassion towards me? Your word has said it is good to forgive. So Lord, let me forgive those who have wronged against me and be ready to reconcile when they're ready. Devotion to prayer in light of what God knows in light of what we don't know. Christians have historically believed that God is sovereign in all knowing. Then all the, all the more than that, Not only do we have a God who knows all things, but we know that God, his power is unmatched. And we recognize it in the scriptures that he knows where the birds fall. He knows everything within creation. Jonah, God controlled the fish of the sea within the seas. When Jonah was thrown over the ship, it was God who brought the storm. And when Jonah was thrown over the seas, into the seas, it was the Lord who provided a fish. Jonah 2.12 or 2.10. The Lord commanded the fish after having Jonah in the well for three days and it vomited, vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. Why is this helpful? Well, remember Daniel when he was told not to pray by his king. He was hesitant, but he continued in faithfulness to offer up his petitions before the Lord. And in light of the story, I won't go for the sake of time, was thrown in the lion's den. The king worried that Daniel was going to be eaten by the lions. God demonstrated his sovereign power over all creation, even the lion's mouth. So when the king ran up in Daniel 6.20, when he had come near to the den, the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, who has all knowledge and all power as you speak, Has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me. Inasmuch as I was found innocent before him, and also towards you, O king, I have committed no crime. He is all-knowing, but he's all-powerful. Why was it, why is it that our Christians, as my great-grandfather and grandfather and my parents before me 
grandparents before me, were so committed to prayer, they believed God could do things. That his hands were much more powerful than these. But I love these things. I love the fruit that they can produce. Because I can see it in my own time. How often my own... Have, as I've seen family, prayed for years, waiting, waiting for the hand of God to do something. But we have come in our Western society to love immediacy. To do it quickly. If God doesn't do it, then we'll do it. There is so much that wants to be accomplished. I know in this own season, our world wants to do so much. And I think of the church is often tempted to participate with them and often without prayer thinking that our own hands can accomplish the hearts and the desires of our own society. And so we run off with them. In the early church, I just provided a few, and I see the plea before me in Romans 12, 12, devote to prayer. Why? Because your hands are not his hands, and his voice is not your voice. Did you know that he's not only powerful over all creation and the animals, but then he's also more powerful and able to shape in the hearts of men as we've come to realize even now in Romans 12. But this is not just a Romans 12 truth, but this is a scripture truth, Isaiah 17, 12 through 13. Alas, the uproar of many peoples, the world is in turmoil. What ought you to do? who roar like the roaring of the seas, the rumbling of the nations, who rush on like the rumbling of mighty waters. We know the power of the waters, and we know what our own hearts can do. The nations rumble on like the rumbling of many waters, but God, he, he will rebuke them. They will flee far away. Notice his power. In light of what we think them to be as powerful, he can chase them off like chaff and be chaffed like the chaff chased like the chaff in the mountains before the wind or like whirling dust before a gale. Why do early church Christians pray? Because they believe that God can shape the hearts of men. Proverbs 19.21 James talks about this same idea. Many plans are in the man's heart but the counsel of the Lord will stand. Right? Theologically, what gripped Christians historically to be devoted in prayer was this idea that God's hands were bigger than ours. And as I've come to get older and older, and I would encourage you, young, your hands are little. You can accomplish far more in prayer. And the way that God will stir and knit your heart towards his, if you would simply recognize when you do nothing, God can do more. Well, what I mean, nothing. Prayer is something. Isn't it interesting, like when we were taught as kids, we're going to pray and I watch my own kids. What do they do? They take their hands and they put them at rest. Well, As a church, as a people of God, that is so foreign to how the world runs. To stop. And to acknowledge there is one who has more power than our own. And to be devoted in that practice. 
a hint of the reality we already looked at Romans chapter 12 and 1 through 12 is that we know our own heart. Man, I know I've already heard it before and I've heard it since this coming up week. You guys are going to go have Thanksgiving and some of the people that you're going to go have Thanksgiving with are quite fun is the way that you would say it, I think, right? And you know in your own heart, in your own hands, there is no way to change the hearts of people. Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10, the heart is more deceitful than, any, than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Not these hands, not this mind. Who can change the hearts of those in our families? Who has changed yours? Not your hands. As Paul has already said, <laughs> it's by the mercy of God your heart has been softened. Let me remind you in Romans 8, but we've come already to enjoy. For the law of the Spirit, how you've been changed. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free, free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it through the flesh, God did. Notice this, verse 3. Your hands couldn't do it. Whose hands did? God's, through Christ. God did. Sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin, our sin, in the flesh, in Christ's body, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. His hands, not our hands, saved us. Who do not walk according to the flesh any longer, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the Spirit, according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Why do Christians pray God's sovereignty changed you? And in that moment, why we devote ourselves into prayer, we take our hands and we isolate them, recognizing gratefulness what God has accomplished by his spirit in Christ. Knowing that it's not how man wills to run that he is saved, but rather by the mercy of God. So one, why, did, why would I say, what, what has encouraged me to prayer? God's sovereign. And his hands are so much more powerful than my own. Two, and there's one area that I am continuing to grow in, and I think this is why Paul wanted Romans to be offered to the church. He wanted to remind them of their new identity. No longer in the flesh, but now in the spirit. Do you realize this? I want you to catch this. Jesus being the eternal image of the Father, enjoying relationally the Father's joy eternally. He knew God the Father. He knew why he was sent to earth. He knew who were to be his disciples. He knew of the number of the disciples, which one would betray him. He could answer the thoughts of men. He could discern a man's intention. Nobody reads the Gospels and wonders, well, Jesus doesn't know everything. No, he knows all things. Love the the passages where the Pharisees think something and it says, Jesus answered. He knew when his time was to come to die on the cross that not one disciple was going to stay with him. He knew Peter would deny him three times. He knew they would scatter. And he knew, even in light of all that thing, as he demonstrated his knowledge of things, he also demonstrated his power of things. He walked on water. He fed the 5,000. He calmed the waves, the winds. He gave sight to the blind. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. 
all-knowing, all-powerful. Get this, please. In light of all those things, Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. In light of the hands that he had and the mouth that he had, he prayed. Luke 5.16. Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Luke 6.12. It was at this time he went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Why? Because to Jesus, the eternal image of the Father, God's not a painting which you look at. God is one who we get to enjoy. He enjoyed and knew that God the Father has purpose. And that the Son was created, or not created, ooh boy, that's heretical. He was sent. <laughs> he was sent to fulfill the will of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. He prayed, walked in Adam's office on Monday, and blew him away. Adam, Jesus prayed. And I imagine to other people, well, that's not. Duh. But look at his hands. And I put my hands. You remember this, doing this as a, as a kid in your father's hands? How little it looked. And he prayed. What did the early church pray? John 17, 1. Do you want to know why Jesus prayed? This is it, right here. Maybe. Jesus teaching his disciples. Jesus spoke these things and he's lifting his eyes to heaven. He's, he's going to pray and he said, Father, the hour has come. The purpose of my coming is near. Glorify your son. That's his prayer. By the will of the Father, he sent his son. His prayer, Lord, let me do it. Let me glorify and fulfill your will. Why? For what purpose? For worship. The Son may glorify you. Why do Christians pray? Why do they devote themselves to prayer? Because they know that the Father by His will has saved sinners such as us. And that there's a purpose for us. And that when we live according to that purpose, we, we glorify God in worship. Paul's been more specific than this. Earlier on in Romans chapter 8, you can see it. I've hinted to it already. Why do Christians pray? Well, Jesus prayed, and who are we in Christ now but his heirs? The Spirit himself, Romans 8, 16 through 17. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ... If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. God's not a painting. And because Christ prayed, because there was a deep relationship and desire to fulfill the will of the Father, Christ prayed. And now, knowing our identity, we, think about it, we can go before the Father who is sovereign over all things. He speaks things out of nothing into being. Why in the world would we not want to go to him? And we actually have access to that all-powerful, all-knowing 
deeply loving relationship. Romans 5. I just want you to hear it. It's not on the slide. But in light of what Christ has done for you, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith in which we now stand. You go to God. I remember a student asked me, why don't we pray to Mary? Well, Mary doesn't give me any access to the Father. Who gives me access to the Father but Christ? It's His hands. That's weird to do that, right? It's His effort, His work that has provided access for us to say our Father in heaven. That we come to Him intimately and we stand confidently in this new relationship. I've inherited this worldview that God's a painting. Just throw things up to him, hoping that he hears us, knowing by our practice that we don't actually believe it. Now, God is so interactive in his creation in you. If you can confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you believe that he's died for your sin and rose again on the third day, you're his child and he loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. Why did the other church pray? Because they had access. And in those prayers, they knew that God would hear them. And so they would pray for their city. Lord, we know you're patient because you were patient with me. We know that you don't want anyone to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. I know my hands can't bring someone to repentance. I had gone through all the apologetics courses. I, I, remember I was in it. And through the process, I thought if you could rightly articulate and lead somebody down to a dead end in their worldview, then they would repent. It's not true. The Pharisees saw Jesus in all of his wisdom with all of his power, and they rejected him. If that's true, then it takes a mighty act of God to change a transformed heart. And if you have that transformed heart, pray and worship that he might do it to others. I think one of the hard things for us to do is, and for me, is like, how do we pray? I think it's important that we be gracious to ourselves, even in this learning. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, one of his disciples said to him, not knowing, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John also taught his disciples. This is why Jesus taught Matthew 6. We read Luke as well. Pray in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. If I'm trying to learn how to pray, I go to this. Hallowed be your name. Be awesome, God. For you are awesome. Yeah, you can close the lion's mouth then, but it's more awesome when you change the proud man's heart to worship you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your justice reign here on earth. Give us our daily 
day our daily bread on a world that has so much prosperity teaches contentment. Forgive us our debts. The humility that we ought to remember in the Lord's prayer as we also forgive our debtors. When a church prays, verse 12. You've always heard it, right? Family that prays together stays together, right? A church that prays. It hears the hearts of broken over sin. It knits the hearts together to the one who saved us. And do not lead us to temptation. Teach us to run from sin, but deliver us from evil. For everything is yours. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You want to learn to pray? Consider the promises of God. I have prayed this over even more so in the last two years. James 1.5. These are promises. So this is what I do when I'm lacking in wisdom, learning how to pray. I, I take on the promise of James 1.5. But if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives all generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him. That's a promise. So when Paul says... He's not just pulling this random truth out just to be applied in verse 12. It's rooted in throughout the practice of every church generation. They've recognized the hand of God in light of the voice of God, that that God is more powerful, all more knowing than we are. And so that's why they prayed. Rejoice in hope, preserving in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Our convictional response. Point three. The, the means by which we don't do this, like, I, I still struggle and I still get, get convicted by this. I actually have to schedule it in. I'm one of those guys that likes routine. And if I don't schedule it in my planner to pray, it's not going to happen. Some of you are like me. You are a rhythm. Except for I can't play on rhythm. It's awful. The point being, like, we have to set time aside to do it. We know who we are in Christ. We know who saved us. We know who has changed our hearts. If we don't set time to set aside to do this, then it won't happen. I think often also in light of that, some of you are just able to do this without much scheduling. The temptation for me is to think, that these things could do more with the time that I would give it to prayer than if I were not to do it. I can do more with this. I can do more with this. More can be accomplished with this. It's idolatry. I love my hands. I love my voice. I think we all do. I hesitate to go here. Like I think our world does love offering up some type of supplication Rather than not giving it to the Lord, they give it to society. I caution here, don't, don't over-apply this. But I think that's why social media is so popular. Throw it up to the cloud. Get approval or get response. I think there's, maybe I'm wrong, but this inner deep desire to be able to offer up what we think out somewhere. There's a hand of God that's so much more powerful than that. Now, I don't say that everybody does that. 
But you can see it. We want justice. We want grace. We want forgiveness. We want equality. We, we want all these things, right? Where should those go? The church, where should we send those desires? For we know that the heart of God, it rests within him. And so we appeal to him in his character to do such things. So this would be my caution. Pray before you post. Be devoted to prayer. Be gracious with yourself. Schedule it in. Small groups, it gets pushed off. Right? It gets pushed off towards the end. I know I've been in a small group. I do it too. Pray together. It knits your hearts to him who saved all of you. Don't make light of it. Families, families, fathers, mothers, pray with your children. Teach them about the one who has bigger hands, a bigger voice than your own. As a church, we thought about it as a worship team to treat it more honorably than just a transition between pieces. When we had a prayer night a couple weeks ago, I was so encouraged to see we've done prayer nights before. I've been praying for you to see so many turn out. It has been my desire that not just be in our small groups and our corporate setting, but that we can just have nights set aside just for prayer. Because it's good. And so we've committed, and we may do even more now. But when we do them, Here's the new expect that was not communicated then, but now it's now being communicated. Members, I want you there. Or at least one of them. You're married. One of you there. That's not law. But I want it to be priority. So we're going to do one every night. No. <laughs> How cool would it be if we were called or critiqued as being too often in prayer? Now, that doesn't say we don't do anything, but it does mean that we are genuinely faithful to this call devoted, individually and corporately. That we know the limits of our own hands and our own voice. It would be good. Why am I not tempted? Why am I tempted from prayer? I think I made it obvious. I, tr- I, I think the root of it is that I don't trust God. I've limited his power and I've limited his knowledge. And we know those are lies. For he knows all things and he is all powerful. So whatever you're faced at or faced with, Lord, I pray that the Lord would, by his spirit, encourage you. Rather than fighting with your own hands, learn to do this. And see God shape your children. See God shape the workplace and the city around you where God has placed you for his glory. And that we be faithful to the same prayer that Christ prayed for us. Let's pray. Lord, I pray, in light of this upcoming week, we have among all people the greatest reason to celebrate and be thankful. And as we go into those activities and we go into those, those fellowship and gatherings, Lord, 
let us not be negligent to first thank you. For we were your enemy. And you demonstrated your own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, you died for us. You have been patient with us. For there was a time when I did not desire to live for you, but now by your mighty hand and your great patience, we love you. Thank you for being patient with us. And thank you for being patient with those within our own families who give us great patience. But Lord, we ask for their souls, that they would see the joy of Christ as we see Christ, not be threatened by him, but see this, the reward set before them to be heirs of Christ, to be heirs of God, to have the relationship with one who has all power and all knowledge and who loves them intimately. You have indeed been patient with them. And so, Lord, we offer up in prayer. We know, we, we know in your word that it is true that you do not desire anyone to perish. And so, Lord, by your great patience, would you soften the hearts of men that we come to know and interact with. And if we get to play a part with that, when the heart is being opened, may we speak in that hour which you have provided. And Lord, I pray as we learn to be gracious to ourselves and in light of learning how to pray, Lord, I pray that we would have learned to what extent it means to be devoted in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.